Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a pallet right here. The late night flight is paid for by the following. Time to play the game where we find out who's capping. It is... This is some This is the game where we find out if this is the bull... I jam that's who I do. And alongside with me is Co-Credo Dante. Dante, what up with you, my guy? Man, I'm alive. You can't kill me, mother. My coronavirus survivor <laughs> is back. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the pilot of the Talk My Credo podcast. He is Dante Credo. Hey, yo, Dante, real quick, though, real quick. I know you're alive and well, and we are happy. God is happy. Everyone is happy. But did you see President Joe Biden greeting the Saudi crown prince with a fist bump. Do you think it was absolute? Do you think it was unaware? Or do you think it was absurd? Come on, just let me know. I, it's an image of know. a lifetime. Let me see. Talk to me. There's going to be a theme throughout this episode. So uh-huh, we're going to start uh-huh. here. It was all of the above. It was absolute, it was <laughs> unaware, and it was absurd. All in one. <laughs> Let's play the game. According to the New York Post, a troop of wild monkeys in India stole a baby from his father and tossed the boy from a third story rooftop, killing him instantly. The infant's father, Nerdesh Upawe, who is 25 years old, and his wife were on the rooftop with their four-month-old son when several monkeys attacked them. The wife managed to escape the unhinged monkeys, but the monkeys cornered Nerdesh. He tried to run off, but dropped his son as he did, leaving one of the animals to scoop up the boy and toss him off the rooftop. An investigation into the deadly incident is reportedly underway. The boy died instantly. The enraged monkeys also attacked other relatives in addition to the boy's father when they responded to the roof. Dante, I ask you, is it the bull that Fox News reported that this is black on black crime? Wow. Oh, it's it's total bullshit. But at the same time, you know, they're very consistent in their reporting. So, sure. A TikToker. A person on TikTok, because that sounds so much better than a TikToker. A TikToker. Yeah. A person on TikTok went viral after posting a video suggesting that she promoted to a manager's position at her job after dating her manager. The video has received over 425,000 views since being posted on June 16th by user Kendall Serene, which is at Ken Serene, S-E-R-E-N-E, on the TikTok. It has sparked discussion among viewers with some concern that the incident would constitute a human resource issue. In the video, Kendall is in an office wearing a work uniform. While she does not speak in the video, she smiles and sips a drink as a text overlay reads, dating your manager is never a good idea. She then winks as the text overlay changes to read, gets promoted to manager. Dante, I ask you, is it the bull that she works for the WWE? Uh, actually, no, because, you know, for whatever, if you know how to work the pen, you know how to work the mat, then sure. You work the pen, you work the mat, this will work an NDA. All right. Exactly. 
And finally, according to CNN, a mother by the name of Jody Brown posted a video showing a costume character appearing to ignore two black children during a parade at Sesame Place in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Bucks County, Pennsylvania is not the blackest place on earth, okay? I just want people to know that. This is a 87% white American demographic, okay? Be careful. This is not Philadelphia. Jody Brown and her attorney told CNN that the Sesame Place character, Rosita, was intentionally racist toward her niece and daughter. In the nine-second video shared by Brown on Instagram, her daughter and niece are reaching out for a hug from the character Rosita. In the video, Rosita is seen high-fiving others before seemingly wagging her finger at an unidentified person and then shakes her head no at Brown's daughter and niece before walking away from them. Brown told CNN that the character Rosita was walking down the parade route high-fiving and hugging other children when the character intentionally ignored her daughter and niece. Right after the character passed them, there was another little girl next to them who was of a different race and Rosita hugged her. This is what Miss Brown said. My daughter was just sad. She asked mom, what did I do? What happened? And I said, you didn't do anything. Some people are just mean people. Sesame Place said they spoke with and apologized to the family for the experience they had, refunded calls, and offered them a return visit. Now, Dante, check me out. I am not a soothsayer. I am not clairvoyant. But I'm, I just have to say this. If they refunded them money and apologized, people know how to clout chase now in these days. That's not enough. That's not enough. Nope. For, that is not enough for racism, okay? That is nope. not equal to reparations. Am I right about that? Absolutely. Absolutely Ex correct. Expect Miss Brown to get more out of Sesame Place. I just want to put that out there. Anyway, let me continue. This is, a, this is a written statement from Sesame Place. It is not acceptable to us when children and families do not feel special, seen, and included at our park. Our performers work here to entertain and inspire all children, not just the white ones. I just added that. <laughs> not to disappoint any of them. No child should ever leave our park feeling disappointed or ignored. That is the opposite of what our park is intended to inspire for children or in children. We want every child who comes to the park to have a positive, memorable experience. And we commit to learn everything we can from this situation and make needed changes. They sound like an NBA coach. As noted, pre <laughs> as noted previously, though, you know that sounds like something that Coach Spultra would just say after yep. a loss. Yep. Look, man, we're going to learn from our mistakes. We're going to watch the tape and we're going to come out and beat the <laughs> out of Denver. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm <Right>. sorry. <laughs> As noted previously, we will provide additional training for Sesame Place employees to help them better understand black people, recognize black people and deliver an inclusive, equitable and entertainment experience to our guests, which are black people. Dante, I ask you. I ask you, Dante. Dante, I ask you. I ask you, Dante. Dante, I ask you. This your second time. You better make this good, motherfucker. What's up? What's up, man? Let's do it. I'm here. Dante, are you ready, Dante? I'm, I'm ready, bro. What you got? What Dante, you got? Dante, I ain't even gonna lie to you. Last week's episode, or our last episode, was really good. And I think we about to give it to him again. Dante, are you ready? I'm ready, bro. I'm ready. 
Is it the bullshit that in negotiations between Black America and Sesame Place, white women can no longer purchase Tickle Me Elmo, but can now buy Tickle Man Dingo? You ain't got to answer that. <laughs> Turn this off, man. Turn this off. <laughs> You, you, bye bye. Everybody on a mountain, everybody marching for a young nigga like me to get tsunami on it. I'ma get it, I'ma win a baby. I'll be on my curry till I crash a bird 40 on the Yeah, I'm acting dirty if it's at the appellation to the appellation. I'ma do whatever that it takes to make a blacker nation. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sweets, and I'm your chief flight attendant. On behalf of the pilot and the entire crew, welcome aboard the late night flight. And here is your captain, the Now River of New Jersey, the pilot of Tuskegee Training, the greatest honey badger who has ever lived, the creator of Black Pilot Radio and the late night flight. Here is the victorious one, Nassour Nuru. What up, my passengers? We are first in priority. Donate to the cash app dollar sign the late night flight to get this work from minorities. The late night flight, oh, you never heard of it? Turn up the turbulence. Catch us on these Apple Podcasts and these Spotify services. iHeartRadio, YouTube, and the late night QR scan. Download Audible, download Amazon, just to hear us back and forth like a U-Haul fan. Hey, I started out not ahead of you. Now look at me, young pilot with a better view. Making sure you can hear all 96 episodes wherever, wherever, wherever. Ever podcast are available. Now let's take off. I was trying to imagine it, and it's hard for me too to even put myself into what she's going through. Like she's such a, a great human being, a great person. Uh, obviously, I've been in her presence a few times, and you know, you always feel like you know if you're from a certain place, you always feel like like they got your back. And in, and in a sense, like now, how can she feel like? America has her back. Like, I would be feeling like, do I even want to go back to America if I'm, I've been gone over 130 days and, and I feel like it's been zero effort. So who you just heard is the second greatest player ever in the NBA, LeBron James. That's my opinion, though. It's just my opinion. Don't worry about it. And he's talking about the great Brittany Griner. Now, Brittany Griner is not just some ordinary Brittany Griner. She is a one-time WNBA champion, an eight-time WNBA All-Star, a two-time WNBA scoring champion, an Olympic gold medalist. I mean, this woman is somebody. And it's the funniest thing, Dante. Check this out, bro. She's also a three-time, a three-time, and you got to say it three times when you say three times, a three-time Russian National League basketball champion and yep. some hash oil you and a fight against Ukraine so you can bring the boys back and make a USSR all over again. We don't get to that though. We ain't talking about that though. But um, you know, you know what's going on. Uh, we yeah. call it uh chess pieces. Or it could be like checkers and just telling people to king me. I don't know. It's it's one or the other. Either one. Either one. That's what's going on right now. And LeBron made comments because, of course, the shop got to eat. The inter- uninterrupted has to eat. I mean, it's no longer on HBO. They're trying to build their platform. They got to monetize in some type of way. And he made these comments. You heard the comments. And I'm just going to ask you, Dante, let's just get right into it. Do you find it to be unaware or do you find it to be absurd? When it comes to LeBron James, I believe everything he does 
is absolute, right? But the problem is, it's LeBron James. Like, I agree with you. The second best player of all time. However, when it comes to the most scrutinized, when it comes to the most hated, if you will, to where the microscope is constantly on him and has been on him for the last 20 plus years, I think I will also say that LeBron was unaware. Mm. I say that because not because what he said was unaware. It's because I don't think he understands just who he is in a sense, as far as every word he says will be dissected. It'll be misconstrued. It'll be taken this way. It'll be taken that way. And then just in, in a matter of 15 seconds, him saying something that we've all have said when it comes to just criticizing and just questioning the things that happens in our great nation. Uh-huh. And it, it creates a firestorm. So even though I agree with what he said, it was absolute in what he said. Right. Bobby was unaware because who it came from. I'm with you, Dante. I'm with you. I'm going to say he was unaware. But, but in his soul, what he said when it came out of his mouth, it was absolute. Right. It's, it's an opinionated, passionate statement. He is saying, if I, LeBron James, the second greatest player of all time was Brittany Griner, I don't know if I would even want to go back to America. Maybe I need to talk to Vladimir over a shot of vodka and say, hey, listen, I've been a three-time world champion with you. I'm just saying, like, uh-huh. me and uh, Steven Snowden, whatever that dude name is, that, that did the, <laughs> we could just hang out and chill. It'd be all good. It'd be all good. You know what I'm saying? And, and listen, you know, it's kind of hard to make jokes when someone is being held captive. Absolutely. We want this sister to come back home. Here's where I'm saying he's unaware. He's unaware because did he forget we live in a country that's divided right now? Did he forget we have right wing Republicans that will say, did you just hear him say, do I even want to go back to America? America, America, America. (laughs) And it will be patriots and guns and white people all out ready. Like, yo, we ain't going to see no basketball games. We ain't doing nothing. We about to say the M word. Yeah. And we ain't talking yep. about, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, we about to say a whole bunch of things all over again. Be- just because the second greatest player of all time in the NBA said what he said and he wasn't being rude about it. I mean, it's nope. funny. You White people wasn't even mad when he called Boston racist right after that. Oh, it's like, oh, we know that. Oh, come on. It's Boston. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. You, you, hey, you, you invest money with, uh, I'm sorry, invest money. I take that all the way back. You have money in the Boston Red Sox. You're a, my, a, a minority owner. All right. So we know, we know you know about Boston, bro. We ain't gonna go there. But when it comes right. to this situation, it's so unaware because, bro, there's a two-way street with this. Number one, yes, America, we, we want to get the sister back. Come on, do what you can to get her back. We know you're doing your best to leave Russia alone while they're over here trying to get the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC together to put a mega group. And you know you got nothing to do with that because if you do, that might be World War III. I understand you being cautious, but America's talking and it's louder than it's ever been because of social media. We're on our phones before television and all those other mediums that we use now. So- right. Here's the thing. Here's where you're unaware. You know, if the NBA, and I'm not saying it's their fault, but if the NBA would pour more money 
into the WNBA and give the sisters a salary where is and I hate to be I hate to be the one to tell what the number is but I'm only going by the golden era of the NBA just to help out 500,000 to 2 million dollars for the top player that's just my personal opinion I could be right I could be wrong I know women going to be like how dare you put a cap on this but I'm I'm going to do it like this Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, some of the greatest NBA players in the 80s and early 90s made one or two million dollars. Even Michael Jordan, until his last two years as a Chicago Bull, where he wound up making 35 mil the last two years, even Jerry Cross was like, I can't believe I signed this contract to let him do this. No one knew that right. was going to happen because no one was making 30 plus million in one year in the 90s. Go ahead and go ahead. Check the records. I promise you they wasn't. Okay. Well, so this is what I'm saying for a for a a business that hasn't been thriving yet. They're 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 getting their name out there and they're getting more dynamic players such as Brittany Griner, such as Candace Parker and Maya Moore. But realistically, they don't have that player that's going to tomahawk jam it, go crazy yet. It's going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. You got to give it time, just like how the NBA was in the 50s and 60s and the 70s. Walt Wilt Chamberlain was doing a dunk. But he wasn't doing a Shaquille O'Neal, Tomahawk slam, bring the bill, you know, bring the backboard to the ground. It, like the right. dynamics has to happen. I want to read this quick post from the great comedian Bill Burr. He talked about the NBA. So you already know this is rude. I'm sorry, not oh. the NBA. My apologies. He talked about the WNBA. So it's right, rude right. and maybe a little factual. Okay. Yep. So this is what he says about the WNBA. He says, Look at the WNBA. They have been playing in front of 300 to 400 people a night for a quarter of a century. Not to mention, it's a male subsidized league. We gave you a league and none of you showed up. You're talking about the women. Where are all the feminists? That place should be packed with feminists. Faces painted, wearing jerseys, going nuts like the guys do. This is what Bill Burr said, y'all, not me. None of you went to these games. You failed them. Not me, not men. Women failed the WNBA. Ladies, name your top five WNBA players of all time. Name five WNBA teams. Name the WNBA team in your city. You can't do it. <laughs> and look, I only said it because it's funny and it's slightly true, but at the same yep. time, I'm not here to blame women as not being the resource of the WNBA. I mean, yes, you in a, in a sense, you're at fault, but we're talking about someone being held captive. All I'm saying is that if the NBA would have invested more money for now, for the next 10 years, to give the sisters more money, they wouldn't have to go overseas to make more money than what they do home. Would you agree right. with that, Dante? I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if that was in place, then she wouldn't have to go over there to win championships in an entirely different country. Okay, I right, yo, I get it. I don't watch the WNBA. But listen, while we can't talk about that Kevin Samuels autopsy, I sent you the link, but I get it. You trying to play me. You trying to be difficult. It's all good. And just for that, I'm about to start a podcast called Big <laughs> Only. And listen, because you try to be brand new and play me with that, you're not even invited. Okay? You heard that, ladies? He's not invited. <laughs> You know, I, I listen, I love Chappelle, so I'm not going to really speak on it, but for him to, you know, right now can't nobody touch him because he's the one that's doing it and they're filming everything he do right now and putting it out as a special. The thing is, you got to ask yourself as an artist, is it special? 
or am I just, or, or are they taking advantage of me because I'm special? You know, mm. so like I said, I haven't watched the new, um, the speech. You know, if you're going to put a speech up as a speech, you got, as, don't blur the lines. You know, right, right. It's a little confusing. Is this a special or this a speech? So, Dante, who you just heard, ladies and gentlemen, who you just heard is the second funniest Wayne's brother or Wayne's family member, in my opinion, of course, that is out there. All right. Uh, You got to say family member because Kim Wayne's. I I agree. Have to put Kim in there. Have to include Kim. In your house. Come on. Don't act like that. Yep. Absolutely. Don't act like you didn't want Kim Wayne's in your house back in the day. Yeah. Kim Wayne's put the, put the cat suit on in, in your house. I'm like, you know what? All right. All right. Someone be using exactly. the squat machine. I see you, girl. Go ahead. <laughs> I see the gains. I see the gains. I see the gains. <laughs> Get right. <laughs> so, so Damon Wayne's is out here on these streets. And I don't know if he's taking a shot at the great Dave Chappelle or if he's using Dave Chappelle as leverage to see if people will want to come see him on a stand-up special in the future. He goes on and talks about Dave Chappelle's latest stand-up routines, and he wants to classify them as either specials or speeches. These comedy specials that are coming from Dave Chappelle sound more like speeches than specials. And if you go to the closer, there's a I would say there's a half-truth to that because... For the most part, let's be honest, 37 minutes of the closure was not only dedicated to the transgender community, but it wasn't even funny anymore. It was like, well, I ain't gonna lie. I'm I'm a Dave Chappelle fan. I laugh because I get the joke. I knew exactly what he was doing. But I would say to the average person that was, I don't say average person, but let's say someone that thinks Martin Lawrence is more funny because he uses his, uh, his, you know, he's a a slapstick comedian. He uses physicality. So when they think that's the silly stuff, that's the funny stuff, that's the good stuff, Dave Chappelle doesn't really do that. That already takes them out the system. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have right. never met a woman that likes my comedic taste. Like for me, and when it comes to black America, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, they do it for me. That's just yep. me though. You know what I'm saying? That's just me. I never found a woman that liked either one of them. They like, no, Martin Lawrence and Mike Epps. I'm like, oh man, check please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same, I mean, same here. They, but they're funny though. Don't get it. Don't get it messed up. Yeah, like yeah. all the people we're talking about is funny. Even Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans, in my opinion, is the first Mike Epps. Now, mind you, he's not Mike Epps where he was just some nobody in these local clubs. And Ice Cube said, "Get him right now. I know what to do with him. Get him. Get him." I mean, this guy comes from a Hollywood Black American family from the '80s. We're talking about. Them, the Waynes brothers, the Waynes family, and Robert Townsend, Hollywood Shuffle himself, they were doing it. Before we even knew what black media, black film was going to be, they were already doing it. And Damon Waynes didn't have to be a big time stand-up comedian. The guy was in The Last Boy Scout. Oh, we ain't even got to talk about Living Color, because in, in Living Color, in my opinion, I think character-wise, if we're just going character, yo, he's top three dead or alive, yo, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I agree. In my opinion, Damon Wayne's uh he he can he can sit down and talk to Keenan like, hey, hey, listen, big bro, I know it's your thing and everything, and you wrote it, but I'm just saying, me, Jim Carrey, and uh Jamie Foxx, I mean, we done put this thing on a map. Absolutely. No conversation. So let's just get right into it. Dante, 
Do you agree? Do you find this to be absurd? Do you find this to be absolute? Or do you find this to be unaware that the great Damon Wayans wants to come at the neck of Dave Chappelle and call his specials speeches? Well, I, I listened to the clip and then I went and watched the entire interview. Okay. Um, and I, I, I see and understand. I'll go ahead and just tell y'all what I'm doing. I'm, 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 as I'm talking, I'm trying to figure out which side I want to stick on. Cause I told you, <laughs> I struggle with these things. I struggle with this game. I struggle with this game, and I, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to stand on absolute. Okay. And he, he, here's why I'm going to stand on, on absolute because I, I don't think he was actually trying to, you know, shade or, or throw any type of throw any type of shot to Dave Chappelle. I think it was a shot to Netflix. Mm. And I think it was the he sees the pattern of basically Dave Chappelle is literally on fire. Yes. You cannot touch this man. Yes. There is no person that represents comedy. As far as the ambassador, the envoy, hell, Dave Chappelle is the avatar of comedy right now. And whatever he does, Netflix is going to put up some sort of special about it. Just whatever he does, Netflix is going to be there. And I think that's both a good thing. I see the double-edged sword in it because Netflix is like, okay, we believe in you. We're going to invest in you and, and whatever you want to do. You got carte blanche. You can do whatever you want to. We're going to help you get your your money and your rights and stuff from the, the Chappelle show and da, 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 da. So I, I, I get it. It's dope. But at the same time, it's like, all right, the last special that went up for Dave Chappelle wasn't really a special. It was in fact, just like a speech for the center that they were going to name put in, in, in his name, but the LGBTQ community got mad. It was like, no, we want you to do that. So he had them rename it, but he still went and gave a speech. It was just the speech that he gave. And I think he was speaking more to that as far as or is Netflix really trying to help Dave Chappelle or they're just using him, Dave Chappelle, the comedian, and wrapping up everything that he does when there's a microphone in his hand as a special when maybe not so much. And I'll, I'll leave it there because I, I, will, I promise I'll switch to something else. <laughs> well... <laughs> Hopefully you about to switch to absurd because this is exactly what this is uh-huh. to me. This is absurd. Look, I already know that Damon Wayne is probably, and this is this is me speculating. I don't really know, uh-huh. but I'm just going to assume when you you take these subtle jabs. Of course, he gave the man his points, his cookies, his flowers, whatever you want to use those terms. He definitely said that. He said Dave Chappelle is the comedian of our generation. He put that out there. So he definitely, he did the Stephen A. Smith. You know, Stephen A. be like, yeah. listen, listen. Magic Johnson has been my friend forever. Before I was born, I got to talk to Magic Johnson personally. I asked him, I said, what was the first ring like? And then I came out and I, and I interviewed him on the third and fourth wing. Two years old. Me, Stephen A. Smith. But I got to tell you, he was tragic Magic Johnson because he didn't have a jump shot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Facts. That is what my man likes to do. You know what I'm saying? And, and Damon Wayans did that slightly. He, I, give a, I give him a C plus on the execution. But I will say this, even though it's absurd. The closer... And that I don't remember the um the name of it. It was the time that George Floyd passed away. It was the the 
the minutes and seconds. That, now, yeah, eight forty-six. My apologies for not knowing that. Thank you, Dante. Yep. Eight forty-six. Mm-hmm. That I ain't even gonna hold you. That in itself was a speech. Yep. That was a speech. That was a straight up speech. You can't look. I'm not even gonna run from it. And I think Dave Chappelle is still the number one comedian in the world. That was a speech. However, I, I gotta say this though. You know what, Damon Wayne's bro, on some real. So what though? So what right. if it was a speech? Is is co- comedy has to evolve in some type of way? John Stewart evolved the news desk. The news desk was for the starchy anchor man, anchor woman that would just mm-hmm. say tonight at eleven, someone shot. Someone dies, someone's murdered. We'll be right back to you, Greg. It was all of that forever. And what John Stewart did was, hey, guess what? Even though I'm at the table, you know Republicans is buying uh, Fox News and while uh, Democrats is buying MSNBC. And even though I'm a Democrat and I love MSNBC, I'm going to just let everybody know what the fuck is going on. How about that? All right, see you later. And it, it was brilliant. Yep. It was brilliant. Bill Maher, say what you want about the man. He made a, uh, what was that called? Uh Damn, politically incorrect. Yep. The yep. panel, everybody was talking, it went crazy, it was great. And now he has real time with Bill Maher. And the thing is this, he makes jokes and they still trying to figure out whether it's supposed to be this political, uh, this political straight man show or is it supposed to be for jokes? I mean, Bill Maher is a comedian. So the presentation is going to be as such, but he's letting you know, dog, I see the BS. We're, we're going to get mad at comedians for doing the same thing now? Is that what we're going to do? We shouldn't be doing that. You know what I mean? Like comedians are people as well. They have eyes. They have ears. They, they, their ears are to the street. They know what's going on and they need that as ammunition because guess what are, guess what we're doing on it every day. These are topical conversations that me and Dante are having to talk to you about. And you guys and girls are doing the same thing when you're in your car on Facebook or Instagram. So this is just the world that we're living in right now. And listen, I hate to use some terms just to bring the pun in, but listen, Damon Wayne's bro. Damon Wayne's, bro. I heard your sex name was Blank Man. Dave Chappelle. I mean, I don't know. This sounds more like a rerun, bro. Let's talk about NBA Young Boy not being guilty. I mean, in my opinion, the NBA and Young Boy stands for Never Bust the Automatic. Anyway, let's go to the next segment. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What the f***? This, that pilot f- right here. Well, police say a good Samaritan with a handgun saved lives after a deadly mall shooting. Here's what happened. The gunman opened fire inside a mall food court in Indiana on Sunday, killing three people and injuring two others. A 22-year-old man who was legally carrying shot and killed that gunman. Alexis McAdams has more. Hi, Alexis. Hi, Dana. That's right. Well, this gunman who had a rifle and multiple magazines inside of that mall was shot and killed by that 22-year-old Indiana man who's now being hailed as a hero. 
So this next topic is honestly a topic we tend to talk about a lot because it always is, is pushed in the forefront. And of course, I'm talking about guns. So even on the late night flight and shameless plug alert on the Talk My Credo podcast, we're always faced with the, the conversation of should you have a gun or shouldn't you have a gun for various reasons? And a lot of those reasons come up in the happenings of the world. So, you know, I'm going to bring up three examples that happened within the last week alone. So, like, you heard about the the robbery attempt in Philly where the, the two dudes ran down. One of the dudes actually ran on, on dude in Crocs. Like, how do you run down <laughs> on someone in Crocs? So you oh, knew that was going to go in a crazy direction. So you also heard about the, the Indiana mall shooting. Right. Where the civilian actually took down a mass shooter uh, and, and a straight up hero. 22 uh, years even, old, by the way. 22 years old. Yeah. That's that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, that's a lot of maturity, incredible. a lot of masturbation for a young man, 22 years old. Continue. My bad. Exactly. Put that out exactly. Salute to him. And then you have the tragedy of the law and order actor who was also shot in his car. And... So these are three stark examples of where someone maybe should have had one, maybe where someone shouldn't have had one. Right. So my question to you is to ask, are you ready to pick a side? As I've been struggling to do throughout this entire episode with the absolute stuff. (laughs) But are you ready to pick a side to say, does any of these instances that happened in the last week would give you reason to why we may need to carry or not? I'm going to have to say no. And this is the main reason why. The only reason why I'm saying no, and that does not mean I don't believe that people should carry. I do. Well, I ain't going to say I believe, but I have no issue with people having the license to carry. Okay. If you had the license to carry and you did the work, you did the discipline, you did your time in order, not that type of time, but the time as far as the discipline and the work in order to have a gun and know how to use the gun properly. I'm cool with that all day long. You can walk into my house with the gun in your holster. Hey, what's up, Naz? How you doing? Like, I won't be shook. It'll be all good. Now, with all that being said, here's my issue. I'm about to get very, it's about to sound very white Republican, but I'm, but I'm, but just, <laughs> but just think about what I'm going with this for a second. All right. What the f- are we paying police for, yo? That's all I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. yo, you. People can just run up in a mall, just shoot up the mall. There's no type of police, nothing. I understand the security don't have any guns, so I'm not even going to go there with that. But I'm just saying, have police at the mall. What else are they doing between 2 and 11? Not much. They can just stroll the mall like everyone else. They can just look at, you know, they can window shop, you know, not like 50 Cent, but they can just window shop. Patrol, talk to people, be good, uh, what's that word, Samaritans, while they're protecting the law. This is how you have good police-citizen relationships. What do you think about that, Dante? Actually, I agree. That's, that's, I agree. That's just where I'm at with it. It's, okay, we're paying tax money for the police to do law enforcement. They're not enforcing a goddamn thing until after something happens. And then they yep. look crazy because they over here putting people in Bobby Lashley's uh, master lock. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they putting people in full Nelson wide to the ground. Like, yo, they had a situation at the mall where uh, in New Jersey, 
a white police officer had to apologize to a black teenager because a black teenager and a white teenager was having a fight. And they immediately know, just jumped and tackled. And they jumped on the black kid. Yep. They just looked like TJ and JJ Watt and said, get him. You know what I'm saying? And there you go. So it's, it's those type of things. It's still that type of rhetoric. And not only do you hear it, you see it. Um, but again, let's get back into the guns. Again, I just need law enforcement to step up so people wouldn't have to feel as if they have to have guns. Because again, unlike this 22-year-old that showed full-class maturity, full-blown maturity, my apologies, I, I still don't think every 22-year-old in America has that full-blown maturity. And I do not feel comfortable going outside with a bunch of 20 to 25-year-olders with guns licensed to carry. If you don't get your short, overly energetic, enthusiastic, short lock bang having, hoochie daddy short wearing when it's not even summer, aiming your gun at people's ankles ass out of here. Anyway, don't forget to download us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and Audible to catch me sitting on the pilot. I mean, on the pilot. My bad pilot. Don't take it personal. <laughs> Well, so now you've got your own second season of your own sketch comedy show, That Damn Michael Che. Yeah. I do want to point out that you work on a sketch comedy show, maybe the sketch comedy show, and this is your side project. So this it's a kind of a busman's holiday. Why why do more sketch? Because you you can do sketch. Yeah, but this one's for black people. <laughs> Dante, you read the script. Please tell me you watched that damn Michael Che. Please tell me you watched that damn Michael Che on HBO. Please. Okay. Whoa, Please. whoa, 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 whoa. Now, before we go any further, okay, is is not HBO. What do you mean? It's HBO Max. It's not the same. Hey yo, no, no, this ain't the journal piece. Okay, it's not delivery. It's the journal. Ain't ain't happening like that. No, it's not delivery. It's the journal. But okay. you know, it's not the same. Fine, fine. So on. <laughs> HBO's Generation Z streaming platform, surplus platform entitled HBO Max, Saturday Night Live's very own Michael Che, who, by the way, is Saturday Night Live's very first Black America, I said Black America, Black American senior lead writer. This is the first ever, the first, okay? This is Martin Luther King stuff, but in 2022, okay? First ever senior lead writer. SNL's been out since the 70s, folks, okay? This is the first. And he has his own show, and we're going to review it real quick, and we're going to talk about it. But the reason why I want to talk about it is because I was watching your show. I was watching the Talk My Credo show, and you was talking about uh, having more segments about the culture. And yep. smart young man like me, well, I like to call myself smart. Let me use a better word. Sharp young man like me. I like to, I like to mess with people's minds. Like when women tell me that women, we're running stuff and whatever we touch, we can turn into gold. And, and I respect that. I'm not saying I disagree with that. I respect that. Can, can you please watch the WNBA? There's someone being held captive. That's how I feel about that real fast. Uh -huh. So the reason why I talk about Michael Che right now is because I know a lot of black Americans don't really know who this black American that is doing some real deal black American stuff in white America doing right now. Could you tell me you knew that Michael Che was this lead black writer for Saturday Night Live? Uh, in all honesty, no. 
I did not know. Do you know the name of his partner? I, I don't mean to say it like that. It's not like that. I'm talking about his partner on Weekend Update when he does the Saturday Night Live skits. Right. I, I know what you mean as far as partner goes. Yes. But, and I will continue to say, no, I do not know. Okay. So his name is Colin Jose. And Colin Jose, who is a white American writer that's on Saturday, Saturday Night Live. He's funny. He's married to the great Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow herself on The Avengers. All right. Uh-huh. And right now, they have been this great tandem for the weekend update. For those who don't know what the weekend update is, that's when uh, in the middle of Saturday Night Live, they usually do a newsroom segment where they just make jokes about the current topics, kind of like the late night flight and talk my credo. But we actually do a better rendition. But for for 10 minutes, this ain't bad. I I can't stunt Saturday Saturday Night Live. They have cornered they have cornered the market on this gimmick right here with the newsroom gimmick. And I have to say. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, they were a great tandem. I even like uh, Tina Fey and Jimmy Fallon. I really like Amy Poehler and Seth Meyers. But I got to tell you, if Tina Fey and Amy Poehler is number one as the Weekend Update tandem, I'm going to have to say these brothers are number two. You may have to flip it around, maybe number one, number two. But what they do that I like so much is... uh, the way they deliver their jokes, they, they're not acting like newsroom people. They're just acting like two guys that happen to be in the newsroom setting. And we're going to just make our jokes anyway. And what's even more funny is that they do this Christmas gift uh, swap joke. So, you know, like during Christmas season, people, they swap gifts, things like that. So they swap jokes. And Michael Che makes sure that he has something racial every single time for Colin Jost. There was a joke that was said. He, uh, he gave the joke to Colin Jost. And he was like, this is the old bat right here that I use to keep black people out of my neighborhood. And it had the whole audience going crazy. And Colin Jones just looked like, I can't believe you made me say that on air. That's ridiculous. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up to you is because here is a guy who is showing you pan-African, pro-American style comedy that's on Saturday Night Live. And no black Americans know about him. And even in the show that he's created, he he makes a lot of jokes referring to that where, yo, I'm Michael Che and I do this for the people. I am expressing black excellence. I want to show you that I'm black excellence, but no one knows about his black excellence. In fact, no one even supporting his black excellence except white excellence. So I just wanted to throw that to you. Let's uh-huh. talk about it right now. That damn Michael Che, which Hey, let's let's be honest. It's a very cinematic version of Dave Chappelle's uh, Chappelle show. Very cinematic. Like, I mean, super duper cinematic. It's Saturday Night Live camera work with just with Dave Chappelle's thought pattern. Right. And it's probably a little bit more elaborate than what it needs to be. But anyway, that's not for me to say. Dante, you go first. Well, this is going to be a a little bit of a struggle. And I think that's probably the theme of this episode for me. Well, I'm just kind of struggling a little bit. Because I'm trying to find the way that I can admit that honestly, I don't know who the hell Michael Che is. I thought it was because of- I thought it was because you're a Corona survivor, and you know you just you're just getting uh-huh. yourself back on your feet. So I was just allowing things to just you know just slowly but surely get back to that credo level of greatness that I know all and well. You know, this this may be true, but I know one thing is for sure that that credo level of greatness people actually know about. Okay, so, <laughs> I would just say this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you talk about Michael Che like that. 
But I say that because, you know, uh, all jokes aside, I know who he is and I know, you know, the capacity that he works. And honestly, I'll, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why as far as the culture. Mm-hmm. Don't really rock with Michael Che that, that much because we look at Michael Che as Wayne Brady. Oh, no. And Don't you do that. I, I'm just going to be honest. We, we look at your... A talented dude. He cool. He did okay. He he had his little funny spots, but he corny. And that is honestly how I believe that people look at Michael Che as far as because the spaces where he is absolute gold is white America. You know, he his comedy style and everything honestly reminds me of Wayne Brady on Whose Line Is It Anyway. Just Yo, hold on now. Absolute now, gold. All about to say, you better watch your mouth when it comes to Wayne no. Brady on whose line, no, tr- tr- whose line is me. it anyway? Because he no was great on that is- show. Watch your oh, mouth. You, you watch your mouth when you talk about Wayne Brady. Absolutely. Don't you, don't you talk about my Wayne Brady like that. Wayne <laughs> Brady was magical. He was great. He was everything on whose line is it anyway? He was the line. Anyway, go ahead, keep talking. He was, he was the line. He Absolutely. was the line. Like that, whose line is it anyway? Is it whose line is it anyway without Wayne Brady? That's right. And I believe that SNL... That man got a, talk, SNL. got a daytime talk show and a game show off that. Never exactly. forget. Never exactly. Forget. And black people did not watch any of that. <laughs> so, Except for my grandmother. As, you watch yourself. <laughs> yeah, as great as Wayne Brady was, we wasn't rocking with him like that. We did not rock with Wayne Brady until he did that show, that sketch on Chappelle show. You ain't lying. When he did... That amazing legendary sketch. Amazing. It was amazing. And, yeah. And and I feel like that's the same vein that Michael Che is in. Um, and it's not to say that he isn't funny because he is. He is to say he's extremely talented because he is. It's just that the the arena that he works in is not really what well, there's no black audience really. Uh, and I like how he's able to, like Rain Brady, kind of take the perceptions that he knows people have of him and kind of play off of it a little bit. So like his latest episode on, on that damn Michael Che basically played off the entire perception that black people don't rock with you, Mike. And, you know, I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was aware. And, it, and one thing that I always respect, regardless of my fandom of you, is are, are, you, listening to, are you listening to the culture? Are, are you aware of what's being said about you. Not necessarily you worrying about what people say about you, but at the same time, are you aware of how you're being received right. and how you're being perceived? And for a comedian, I think that is just probably the, the most important uh, trait that you should have as comedian because you are literally holding up a mirror to the culture anyway. Right. So, you know, but th- that's just, that's just kind of how I feel. I feel like he's getting the Wayne Brady treatment. How many flights? How many flights? The flights... I would have to say four. I'll give it a solid four flights. Okay. Okay. I'll give it four flights. I ain't going to hold you. You said mean things about Michael Che, and I'm going to give him three flights. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. I think the the cinematography, the way it's shot, is too elaborate for the jokes Uh that he's trying to make come across. They need to be, to be honest with you, it needs to be a little bit more low income because you're saying some hood stuff. Like, it's thoughtful. Yeah. But you got this looking like Kate McKinnon and, and, and Tina Fey about to pop out and do a skit with you. And when you do those type of skits, it may not have to be about race. I mean, if it's going to be about race, it's going to be about race. But the way you're yeah. making it come across, it, 
it's too glossy. You know what I mean? For real, in my yeah. personal opinion, it's just too glossy. Yeah. There was an episode where he did, he wanted to do a brunch for Black Excellence. And even though, like, he came, and he came to the brunch with the Jay-Z outfit on, had, like, the salmon color, the moth color suit, because you can't say pink when uh, Jay-Z, uh, hey, Jay-Z is a pink, it's pink? No, it's moth. Watch your mouth, you know what I'm saying? And then he had the Jay-Z hairdo when he walked in there, and no one was really at the spot. They was all at uh, the new girl that's from, uh, not from, but she's on Showtime, I believe it's called Zingway, Z-Way, that yeah, sister. Yeah. So they was all at Z-Way uh, brunch and he was mad at her. But the thing was, Black America, especially down South Atlanta, they know Z-Way. They know this sister. Like no one really rocks with Michael Che, like you said, because his jokes have been for white America for these, these last 10 years. It's yeah. funny that we're talking about that, though, because think about Jordan Pill and Michael Key from Key and Pill. Yep. Here are two Americans that happen to be black, and I'm not calling them black Americans for a reason. They are black Americans, but I'm trying to make a point. Just mm-hmm. follow me for a second. They got the appeal from white America. You agree with that? Yes or mm-hmm. no? Yep. They yep, got absolutely. the appeal from white America doing Dave Chappelle-like skits. And theirs wasn't as elaborate as Michael Che's. Like, Michael Che should get a, a, a nominee for Emmy as far as cinematography. Like, it looks good. Key yes. and Pill was con- not, as lo- not as low budget as Chappelle's show, but just in between. In between Michael Che and, be- and, and uh, Chappelle's show. The point I'm making is, Jordan Pill, when they broke off and wanted to do their thing, Michael Key wanted to do movies and television. Jordan Pill started directing. Jordan Pill tapped in to that 10%, that black man, he said, oh, nah, we're going to do Get Out. We're going to do Us. And now we got this new movie called Nope. And Nope is something that black Americans say when we see some BS. Nope. Yep. You know what nope. I'm saying? <laughs> nope. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he's tapping into that when we didn't think he was even tapping into that in the first place. And I, and I guess that's where I'm, I'm mad at black America. I, I want you guys to tap into Michael Che I want you guys to tap into Michael Che because he makes jokes for the culture. He defends us even when he knows white America likes him more. Like, that makes me like this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's doing some reverse Nat Turner in comedy. We'll be right back. This is The Late Night Flight. But, like, let me ask you something. Who the f*** is Michael Chai or Chi or however you pronounce his last name? And what the f*** is that night live? That's not Wakanda forever. It's more like white liberals on a Saturday. What happened to natural? Come on now. What, what's the next thing? <laughs> if we're going to compare the end of Desus and Merrill to a music breakup, let's compare it to N.W.A. Negroes with no aptitude. That's what Hollywood prefers. Negroes with no aptitude will say and think whatever they're told. Like Man Tan and Sleep and Eat in the movie Bamboozled, Desus and Merrill did not earn their network TV shows. Showtime hired Desus and Merrill to serve as black male operatives for the Democratic Party. House Negroes handcuffed by Hollywood handouts. That's what should appear on the tombstone of Desus and Merrill. No, Desus, not Dezo. It's not Debo. This ain't Friday. This is how you know all these people. Desus and Merrill. Jesus, why the f*** would he name himself that anyway? Who the f*** is Jesus and Mero? Keisha, don't act like that. Keisha, do not act like that. Let me tell you something. You said you want to be a podcaster, Keisha. You said you want to be a podcaster. If there's anyone other than myself 
anyone other than Dante, I would want you to be influenced by when it comes to podcasting. It is most definitely Jesus and Mero. Jesus and Mero started in 2013 on Complex. Their podcast, now check this out. Everybody's trying to do a visual podcast right now. It's something that me as an audio podcaster on the late night flight, I still run away from because if it's not done right, I don't want it to be done at all. Imagine this, Dante. 2013, they put together a what I like to call a Twitter show, a scroll show. They use a Twitter style background while they they use, again, Michael Che, like I told you uh, in the last segment, his stuff was too glossy. They had the bodega uh-huh. crates with the cardboard and some BS brown cognac drinks. I'm pretty sure it was like fake drinks. They probably put some syrup in it, whatever, <laughs> and just have it there as the aesthetic to show that they were from the streets. They wanted to show as they can be as relatable as they possibly can. These are two normal nerds from the Bronx, okay? These are not like some gangsters. These are some nerds from the Bronx wanting to be relatable to you. And they put together this right. complex Twitter show that I thought is the best version of anything they did. It was called Deezus versus Mero. You can check that out on YouTube. Then in 2015, they made the podcast. I thought the podcast was fresh. Not the greatest podcast in the world, but it's fresh because the skits, the skits and the bits, yo, is great. And the production on it is great. How they talk, yeah. You might, you might want a pilot named Nasur. You might want a pilot named Dante. But again, we're not here to bash him yet. We're not here to bash him yet. I'm giving them, give them their points. Give them their flowers, if you will. And then in 2017, they go to Viceland. They do a different style of Jesus and Vero. I say Jesus and Vero. Jesus and Mero. Well, um, Jesus versus Mero, rather. Whereas Jesus and Mero, and they would just look at the TV and make their jokes, make their jokes, make their jokes, make their jokes. And it got so good to a point where Showtime picked it up and it was on the last four years from 2018 to 2022. And they still got big time interviews from President Barack Obama. Um, what's, what's that homegirl name? Uh, AOC, Congresswoman AOC. The list goes on and on. Denzel Washington. I mean, they, they interview some great top tier talent in America. The same type of people that Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon can get in a snap of the finger. Do you agree with my assessment so far of what Jesus and Mero is and how they influence Black Twitter and Black America? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you'll be doing yourself a, a, a disservice if you, you cannot give them their flowers as far as one of the pioneers, if you will, using that specific term, one of the pioneers, because their style, while it was, you know, it wasn't as polished but at the same time, that's how you can appreciate it. But it is that was like the, the blueprint of so many different platforms that are excelling today. So you have to give them their flowers for that. And they did it in 2013, 2014. People trying to do visual shows right now. They did one with Complex. Now, that also shows to people that it's kind of hard to do everything from home by yourself. Sometimes you may, you may need a Buzzsprout owned company like Complex <laughs> uh-huh. to put together uh, to put together a real production. That's something that I go through personally with my own team at the Late Night Flight, where there's some, th- some things I want to do and we can't really do it because production. Production costs money. Production takes more people and more people want more money. And we're just normal, everyday, nine to five workers. We can't, we can only give you what we got. Give you what you got. You know what I'm saying? That's all we could do. Right. Um, so let me ask you this. We just gave these uh, good people their flowers, their cookies, their points, all that good stuff. 
Why do you think after four seasons on Showtime, they hit the pinnacle? They went from complex. They went from an internet station to a surplus cable premium network station. Okay. And now they're gone. They want to, they're saying that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to, they're going to split up. They're going to do some different creative things because they're creative people. Why do you think they broke up after all this success since 2013? To be honest, I really don't know mm-hmm. because just for for me, I really, I admit, I really haven't followed them that as closely as as I used to. Um, probably in the last maybe three or four years. Now, now, do you, do uh, you, I, I may do say, you look at them now. Hold on, do you look at them like Michael Che, like like the way how you talked about Michael Che? Because you know, I was upset with you. I was upset with you about that Michael Che stuff, this, man. This is true. Well, I, I think you were more upset about my Wayne Brady part, but. <laughs> I didn't <know> <laughs> But, but honestly, honestly, yeah, I, I, is and it's not in the same. It's not the same as far as how I see them. But it's just, it, you know, I, I kind of, I don't want to say grew out of it. Mm. But it's like, all right, cool, I see what you're doing. But there now is is almost like Netflix. It's like you guys were the pioneers, but now there's other people doing it too, and they're doing it just a little bit different, a little bit sharper. A little bit funnier, in my opinion. Hold on, you gotta give and me so a name. Kinda, oh, you gotta give me a name. So you gotta give was, me a name. I was just paying attention. You gotta give me a name. No, player. no, I'm not giving that. No, you, no, you give me a name. Me, you got me in enough trouble. You uh-uh. got me no, in no, enough no, trouble. No, 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 no. You don't do you it like that. Got me in who, enough trouble. Who is doing it better than Jesus and Meryl? I'm not saying that they're doing it better than anyone. I'm just saying you said that there's some people that's doing it a little bit sharper, a little bit differently, and a little bit better. I want to know who those people are. Give me, give me a name, please. Dante Credo. Okay. And then <laughs> <laughs> Okay. No, continue. That's, that's okay. Right. Okay. That's okay. Right. No. Okay. No, but you know, I I I feel like for for them I I would say my, just kind of reading and catching up on everything and and trying to get the story right. without just really speculating on things. I feel like they are in a creative space where it's like, okay, what's next? Honestly, I, I I don't think that it's necessarily like bad terms. Um, I I have seen some tweets, this and that, but I try not to get into the the gossipy things. But I would imagine, as far as as long as they've been doing it, because this is uh, a decade, they're a decade in. So, you know, I would imagine now with all the success they've had, okay, let's let's try to explore some other avenues. It's not necessarily done. We're not we haven't pulled the plug per se. Let's just kind of hit pause and let's kind of get into some other creative spaces and then we can come back and see you know, how we can either elevate it or maybe maybe pull the plug on it. So that, that's what I think is the reason they may have split up. So here's a tweet from the kid Mero. Uh, it's, this was in reply to Deezus saying that uh, the art is coming back. Please believe me. I love y'all. The kid Mero says, nah, it's a rat, Brody. It's a yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, a rat, Brody. There's some more, but I think that right there just sums that up. It's a rat, Brody. Now they were at a celebrity softball game, I believe, during the um, the MLB All Star game. They were there at the softball game. I heard that they arrived separately, not together like they usually do. Um, they were uh, they didn't talk to each other. I'm gonna be honest. They 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 are in the late night television field. Even even if they may not want to be, but they're there. Okay, so that means you're dealing with Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel. These guys are people that average 
200 to 250,000 viewers a night. And that used to be so much more, but again, it's programming all over the board. So most people are watching it through YouTube and getting the monetization through that channel. So I, I want to break something down to you. If, if they're getting somewhere between 200,000 to 250,000 viewers a night and Jesus and Mero are getting somewhere, let's say somewhere between 35,000 and 55,000 viewers a night or on a Sunday night, because it was only going on once a week on the fourth season. Yeah. In my opinion, I think Showtime, they didn't want to, they didn't want to like uh, burn them and be like, they're out of here. They're canceled. Get them out of here. They made it seem like, oh, due to them breaking up, we're canceling the show. No, what I think is that they canceled the show. Mero probably, well, I'm again, we're speculating. I think Mero was like, you know what? I'm just done with this. Like we listen, and, and, and that's not a bad thing because they're done with it. Right. But they're done with it being on premium cable television though this isn't me and you okay. breaking up think about this this is this isn't me and you breaking up and then you just go back to being a post office worker and i just go back doing whatever i'm doing nah these guys are in the industry now i don't know if you know this but jimmy kimmel has been taking a vacation Jesus has been guest hosting on that show oh i didn't know that so it's more in my opinion it's more of i'm gonna be honest i don't think the show was all of that but because it came from a black and brown perspective, I think that the celebrities that they got to uh, interview, I'm pretty sure they said a lot of good things about the show. There's a lot of good reviews about the show. If you go online and just ask about ratings and reviews of this show, they always talk about how it's fresh and groundbreaking. The thing is that when you're not getting a lot of viewership on cable network, they're going to cancel you no matter what. That's just going to happen. But I will say this one thing too. Samantha B. Uh, white sister that was on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. She's having poor ratings, poor uh, numbers as well on TBS. They still keep her on. I understand that she's a woman. I understand that she's a white woman. I get all that. But if we're going to have low numbers from this sister, those low numbers from these brothers that was doing something so fresh and groundbreaking, I don't see why you couldn't kept them on for another season, especially when coronavirus really took... I mean, that, that was a gut punch to, to the world. And they still was on... Yeah. For two years, doing a virtual show, interviewing great people, doing what they do. Um, overall, I'm just, I could be honest and say that their delivery, as far as their articulation, that's why I could see why someone like Dante Creedy was like, hey man, someone can do it a little sharper and better. I, okay, you're right. And I think I can do something, well, not do something. I could do what they do a little bit better as well, but that's just an opinion. I'm really happy at the fact that I got to see these brothers do it for a good eight years and really like take podcasting to Hollywood because now they have an opportunity to work in Hollywood, whether they come back together or separately. And I just hope, I pray, if it's me, you, Keisha, co-producer, Smarts, whatever the case may be, KT, all of our good people, like, and we got to that mountain. And even then at that mountain, we split up and did the things that we like to do. I, I just hope that we still keep that bond, that real friendship. And we don't let the, the media say, yo, we split up. No, it's like, nah, we just doing other things that we like to do. One person like to work out, exactly. the other person like to write. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just trying to figure all these things out and, and do a global takeover. So I, I just hope that people look at Jesus and Mero as them just... They're separating from each other to do the things that they like to do. And then they're going to come back and then make something even bigger and better, just like he and Pill is doing. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope you have a great week. I hope you have a great rest of the month. This is The Late Night Flight. 
Well, I'll let you. Thank you for flying the late night flight. Shout out to all the pilots who contribute to the fastest rising podcast. Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a pilot right here. 